Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog dedicated to your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, and I'm joined this week by Eric Seeds. Seeds, are you ready for real hockey? I am extremely ready for real hockey. You know, now that now considering one Columbus sports season was a failure and they fired the coach, <laughs> we are ready to move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I don't count the Nashville San Jose series in Prague is real hockey because um, it's Nashville and San Jose. So, but the Jackets, they do start on Wednesday night in Carolina, start of the regular season. Uh, On Monday afternoon, they released their final 23 man roster uh, that we're starting the season with. Let me go through it really quickly. First among the forwards, we have Sean Corrali, Johnny Gaudreau. Gus Nyquist, Justin Danforth, Liam Foodie, Matthew Olivier, Patrick Laine, Cole Sillinger, Boone Jenner, Eric Robinson, Igor Chinnikov, Kent Johnson, Jake Voracek, and Jack Rozovic. That's 14 forwards. There are seven defensemen. Andrew Peek, Vladislav Gavrikov, Zach Walensky, Jake Bean, Adam Boquist, Eric Goodbranson, and Nick Blankenberg. And then finally, the goalies are Elvis Merzlikens and Daniil Tarasov. Uh, Jonas Corposalo is on the injured list. He is still recovering from his hip surgery. Should be close, but just not quite ready. Tarasov had the same injury, same surgery, uh, but he had that a month sooner. So he's ready to go now to back up Elvis for the time being. Um, the uh, other moves to get down to this number, David Yurichek was sent down to Cleveland. He was the last cut on defense. Emil Bemstrom was uh, put on waivers. He did not make the cut. He did clear waivers, however, so he will be going to Cleveland. And a player that we debated last week, Kirill Marchenko, he also was sent down to Cleveland last week. So, Seeds, uh, going over this roster here, um, are there any players that surprised you that they made the roster or are there any players that you're surprised did not make the roster? No, um, given how things have been trending the last few weeks, uh, everything shook out mostly as I expected. Um, actually pretty much shook out exactly as I expected. I should say, um, the only real battle that it seemed like at the end of the training camp came down to was would Yurichek or Blankenberg get sent down to Cleveland? I think just for 
just because of age and experience wise, that's why Yurichek was sent down. Made a little more sense to um, mm-hmm. send him to Cleveland, have him get start down there, play some big minutes, really grow on into the North American ice. Um, other than that, I wouldn't say there was much I was really shocked by. Um, this is basically the lineup I expected to see when the training camp roster started. Oh, interesting. Um, so one that, that surprised me, and we got a question about this. Um, I asked for questions uh, on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Uh, Sad Ohio sports fan asked, where does Foodie fit in this lineup? I get not wanting to expose him to waivers, but I don't see him getting out of the press box. Even if he gets in the lineup, would he even play above the fourth line? Seems like that wouldn't be great for his development. So I think that primarily, yeah, it is not exposing him to waivers yet. He is still recovering from shoulder surgery. He played in a couple preseason games, so he is like too healthy to go on the injured list, but not quite 100% to be getting regular minutes. So I think he is just on there because they had room to stash him on the roster, didn't want to, to expose him to waivers yet. Um, what do you expect out of Foodie here in the short term? If anything, nothing really. <laughs> um, but I'm going to use this to pivot into another area of concern. I've kind of have with how this roster is constructed in that you are keeping high skill guys, former first round picks in foodie and Kent Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously foodie is not really healthy enough to play right now. So that's fine for him to not be on the game day roster. I can, and I was a big proponent of keeping Ken Johnson on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think he is unquestionably one of the nine most talented forwards in this organization. Yep. They should be playing him or they should, they should be keeping him up here because just on sheer talent and pedigree alone. Mm-hmm. However, in practice on Monday, Johnson was skating as an extra skater and it looks like they're intent on playing Eric Robinson and Matthew Olivier over him. And I understand that you can say that you don't, you know, there wasn't room to find him. We couldn't find him a fourth line or a, a top nine role in the organ on the on the ice. Move Justin Danforth to the fourth line and play yeah. Kent Johnson. I was I was advocating that the team should keep Kent Johnson and in Columbus and pl- if if and only if they were going to play him and give him significant minutes. It looks like it's not going to be the case. It looks like what they're going to do to Ken Johnson this year is what they have done to Foodie when he's been called up. It's what they did to Bemstrom when he was here. They're going to have him ride the pine for extended periods, play fourth line minutes, and get maybe 10 minutes a night. And that does not help him. Yeah. I cannot. I do not think sitting and practicing on the big club and then not playing in meaningful minutes does him any favors if that's the case i would rather they just send him to cleveland i don't think practicing and then sitting helps him more than actually playing games and getting reps in cleveland would yeah so i agree with you about playing him in columbus and uh, i wrote a piece on monday that outlined why i think that he deserved to make the lineup and play why i think he can be effective right from the get-go and that it is good for his development to play um i listened to brad larson's Uh, comments to the media after practice today. And what struck me was how similar the statements were to how Larson talked about Chinikov last year. Cause he was asked about that. Like, you know, basically why is he on the roster if he's not going to play right away? And 
Larson said he does have to play. Um, and that, you know, if they have to sit him for multiple games, that they're going to reevaluate that because they want him playing. And now what we saw with Chinikov was that he, you know, was scratched for the first game. He got sent down to Cleveland, played a game, was called up again, started to play again. And, and then there was a stretch in like December where he was scratched a bunch of times. But in the end, Chinikov did end up playing more than half the season and was usually in a third line role. And so I hope that that is what Johnson ends up getting uh, at least this season. So I'm expecting him to not play on Wednesday, just based on the practice lines. Let me go through those real quick. We had uh, Goudreau, Jenner, Line on the first line. Uh, Chidikov on the second line, which I was happy to see with Roslovic and Borchek. That line looked really strong in the preseason, so I'm happy to see them stay together. Uh, the third line is Nyquist, who was banged up, missed a few preseason games, just precautionary, but he should be good to go. He's playing with Sillinger and Danforth. And then the fourth line has Robinson, Corrali, and Olivier. So I would agree with you that, um, you know, the best of those lines for Johnson would be the third line with Sillinger and Nyquist. Um, or, you know, in the preseason, we saw Johnson, Sillinger, and Danforth, and that line showed some good chemistry as well. But now do you put Nyquist on the fourth line? Probably not. So, um, yeah, maybe move Danforth down the fourth line. I think Danforth could work on any of these lines the way he's been playing. I think Danforth has to play. He played so well in preseason, and he's so useful in a lot of different ways that I think he is deserves to be on the roster, but so does Kent Johnson, because if you look at his numbers, he has been one of the most outstanding forwards of the preseason for the Jackets. Not so much in production, like Chinikov led the entire NHL in preseason goals. Johnson wasn't on the score sheet as much, but if you look at his possession numbers, he was his lines were controlling play all throughout the preseason. So I think he should play. I hope that we will see him in the lineup on Friday for the home opener against Tampa, you know, against Carolina, Carolina, I don't see them as a dirty team, but they are a tough team. Uh, A Carolina player boarded Carson Meyer in a preseason game there. And, you know, Erica Branson did what he was signed to do. And he started fighting the guy or whatever. So I could see then there were some chippy things in that game. So maybe you want to have good Branson and Olivier in the lineup in Carolina to mix it up there. But Tampa, even though they've got, you know, guys like Pat Maroon or whatever, but I think you want to go with as much skill as you can against Tampa. So I hope that we see Johnson by Friday or, you know, Saturday in St. Louis at the latest. And I hope that once he gets in, that he plays so well that they can't bench him again. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. 
it comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um. I want to push back on Danforth needing to be in the lineup. I he's a guy. He's let's put it. Let's let's be frank. He's 29 years old and has 45 career games. I don't think that means you have to be in the lineup. Now, given the rest of the middle six glut uh, or the bottom six wingers on this roster, we can absolutely say he on this roster he probably should be playing because who else is going to take his spot? I don't think there's any, I, I don't think Matthew Olivier should have a lockdown roster spot the, or right. lineup spot the way he seems to. He adds n- absolutely nothing of value at mm. all other than size. And I don't care. That's why we, that's why we paid Eric and Branson a King's ransom to come here and be a pylon mm-hmm. for size. We don't need Matthew Olivier on a night in night out basis. You know, if you want to play him against Washington and Boston, sure. But he should be seeing. He should be sitting in the press box most nights. I don't think Justin Danforth is someone who we should be penciling in every night if it means Ken Johnson is sitting out as well. I hope he gets in quickly and plays because he he frankly should. It's there. There, there is more pedigree and more talent and more ability and upside than with any other player on this roster, not named Gaudreau or Line. Mm-hmm. I, I could like I Ken Johnson is that talented. He is that good. And he looked the part in the preseason. He did not look out of place, did not look like he was, you know, overwhelmed by the speed of the NHL game. Didn't he looked like he had done the work in the offseason and looked like he was and looked like he came prepared for this year. I don't th- like for example, Chenikov last year played 62 games. I would be disappointed if Ken Johnson, barring injury, only played 62 games. That would be an extreme disappointment to me. And I understand Brad Larson compares it to um, Chekhov's situation last year. I just have such little faith and trust in him to make these decisions rather than relying on older veterans with size that I'm not, I want to, I want him to go against what he what it seems like his natural inclination would do and just play the talent. They're not, mm-hmm. this isn't going to be a playoff team this year. So focus on getting reps for the next year and the year after that, when it's actually going to matter and you probably should be making the playoffs. Well, the, and the irony there though, is that I think this team could actually have a better shot of making the playoffs if they do play Johnson, because Johnson is so talented. And I don't, I think Johnson versus Danforth, that is a false choice because there's no reason to choose between those guys. I think the best lineup for this team at the moment features both of those guys in the lineup because they play different roles, but they're both useful roles to the team. Johnson is a playmaking winger who can make a, say, third line at this point much better and a threat. It gives us three lines that can score and can possess the puck. And then Dan Forth is a Swiss Army knife who can 
fill in on any. He's got forty-five career NHL games. Come on, let's be because he because he just came over to the NHL and he didn't get a shot earlier. He He is not. He didn't get a shot earlier because he was undersized. But from what we've seen, like he is, he's a legitimate NHL player. I'm not saying he's a star. I'm not saying he needs to be playing top minutes. I am I'm saying not saying he, 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 he's, he is a, he is a fourth liner at best, and it, that probably not one on a contending team. No, but we have also seen in preseason, they've had him in the bumper role on the first power play unit, and it has been effective. Like he, <laughs> okay. And I'm not saying it's because of Damther, but I'm saying he fits in the role. He, like he, he, it's just kind of a glue guy that fills these spots and does his job in the roles in which he's deployed. Now, don't ask him to carry the team by any means, but I think he works for how we're they putting a little too much on Justin Danforth here. We are putting I mean, way too. No, no. It's not about relying on him. It's that based on how he has been playing better than many of the other options, so he deserves to be on the team again. Not a top six role, but as a bottom six player, he's the kind of guy that you love to have in the bottom six, you know, then put him on the fourth line and scratch Olivier. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, to t- go back to, to foodie, because we we're asked that question. Um, you know, I would love to see foodie as well, develop into a consistent fourth line role. If he can take that because he's got the size, he's got the speed. Um, so hopefully he can, as he's recovering here and as he's practicing with the team, he can finally, you know, make up for the lost development time that he's had and maybe fill in instead of Olivier, because I think he has because of his speed uh, and, you know, maybe has more puck skills than Olivier so that he can actually become somewhat of an offensive threat and not just a guy out there to uh, throw punches because this is, you know, it's 2022 and I don't think that's the answer for uh, being a successful team. Uh, no, it's not, which is why it is head scratching. It was head scratching in the moment when we made that trade. It was yeah. head scratching in the moment when we signed Eric and Branson for reasons. Mm-hmm. And can we just talk about Eric and Branson for a minute? You know, honestly, no, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, because I feel like we've covered it. And I think we all agree that it's a horrible contract. I could understand like I, I just want I, this season. You, you want to have a guy like that. I don't agree, but I can understand it. But the the term and and the uh, the cap hit is, is inexcusable. But we've, we've covered it before. We don't need to cover it again. We could just say Cabranson, bad contract. But it is what it is. We can't, we can't go back on it at this point. If if we change, so we can revisit it. But yeah, Cabranson, bad contract. We know it. That's fine. I just want I want to talk about the fight the other night. Okay. Because I just that's not the NHL today. I don't. Yeah. I understand that. You you bring a guy in, and I, and I understand boarding Carson Meyer is a problem. I'm glad someone stood up for him. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible play. I'm glad Meyer wasn't injured. But to just charge in and beat the hell out of a guy for no apparent reason, and it's not the first bat. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not a proponent of fighting in the NHL at all. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it is something that is useful. I don't believe it's something that good teams do. I don't believe it's something good teams need to do. Yeah. But it's not it's it's just the capper on a series of bad plays and things that don't contribute to winning hockey that he has that we have seen out of him in the course of the po- preseason coupled with the apparently David Yurichek is like on the verge of being an NHL guy. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. But in that it just kind of makes me 
upset. Yeah. Because I believe Eurotech is more of a player that can win, that, that is the winning type of player and winning type of defenseman in the NHL. And yeah. I don't like that we are we're beholden to this idea of the early 2000s hockey when that is clearly not what works anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, and you know what, you know who actually stood up for Carson Meyer in that game? The referee, because he called a penalty for boarding. That's what's supposed to happen. The refs are supposed to call the fouls. That's supposed to be the deterrent for hits like that is when you get penalized for it. Now, meanwhile, then what happens with Branson coming in because he charged in from the other side of the ice, not only did he get uh, you know, roughing penalty. You know, it's like an instigator penalty as well. So all of a sudden, instead of the Jackets having a two-minute power play, the Jackets had a two-minute penalty kill because his roughing, uh, you know, offset the boarding, and then there was the additional two minutes there. So that's my problem: is if if you're going to have a fight, just like just send a message, and and it, you know, it's a offsetting, fine. But when you start a fight that puts your team on the penalty kill, that is doing more harm than more good. That's the main issue I have with it, and I have not heard yet a good response for it. Hey, if someone out there, if you're listening to this and you have a reason for why that's worth it, let me know. I, I, wa- I want to hear it because I can't figure that out myself. Yeah, What's tweet, the advantage tweet, in that yeah, case? Tweet me at Eric underscore seeds because I want to hear an explanation for this because I I do not like putting your team on the penalty kill when you could have had a power you know what's the best you know what's the best way to respond to an, in, an injury like that scoring a goal and pointing at the scoreboard like Vinny Prospel did exactly and because let's face it from what we've seen in preseason we could actually have a pretty good power play this year yeah uh, we can I, score I, goals so uh, moving Jake Voracek to the net front is really cool He's gonna. I think he's gonna score a lot more goals this year. He's gonna tap in those rebounds. He can also, you know, pass effectively from behind the net, which mm-hmm. can be a really dangerous scoring threat. Um, you've got, you know, Line A in one circle and Goudreau in the other. You've got Warensky up top, who you know that he's a threat. I also saw power plays where, you know, first of all, they they did a lot better at entering the zone, and then also depending on how they entered the zone, they can also mix up who's where. I saw a power play where the shift started with Line A on the left side. But then the puck left the zone, they had to reset. And when they came back in, line A was on the right side. And defenses then have to adjust for it for who's on what side. And that confuses them. And that's a great thing. So I'm really excited to see this power play in action. And I hope that finally we can have a consistently successful one with this elite talent that we have on the roster now. Yeah, we have this um, shocking strategy we can use on power plays now called adjustments. Um, We can like move guys and like cycle. These, this mm-hmm. is wild. So I really hope, I really hope we don't see. I, I really hope this team doesn't take the wrong message from this off season and focus on being physical and costing themselves at uh, opportunities to score. I don't mm-hmm. want to see guys, you know, running around recklessly throwing hits behind the play when we could be rushing up. When we could be. Had, you know, pushing out of the zone, have a three on two or draw a penalty and take a power play and have that. I don't want to see that negated because someone felt the need to be a physical brute for no good reason. Yeah. Well, the good news is you don't have to be physical when you possess the puck. And, you know, there were shifts that I saw in this preseason where you had that top line and they were on the ice with the top pair of Wierenski and Boquist. And you know what? They have the puck a lot. 
because those are all good players and they and they played fast not just skating fast but passing fast and just whipping the puck around and it's super that's the kind of hockey that i think is so much fun to watch when the puck is just moving around so fast and the players are moving uh and it's just very dynamic and we haven't seen enough of that and I hope that we can see some more of that. So uh, we're almost out of time, but I did want to touch upon another thing that went up on Monday. We posted our staff predictions. And uh, the thing I want to get to here with you, so I found an over-under for the Jackets that was uh, 80.5. Now, of course, that is uh, half the points below where they finished last year with 81 points. So you were the the one of the uh, the writers here who picked under 80.5. So why do you think that we will have fewer points than we had last season? The defense was terrible last year and we signed Eric Branson to fix it. Okay. You don't see so it, any, any internal improvement? Did they fire the, the guy who coaches the defense? No, they, then they no. did not. <laughs> no, then no, I don't see it. I, I don't think this, I think this team is going to be very good offensively. Like I think they're going to score a, ton of goals this year. I really do. I think they're going to lose a lot of 4-3 hockey games. I don't think this team I don't and it now when I when I initially made my predictions, I want to note that I had written like barely over and mm-hmm. I changed it to under because the more I thought about it, I think it is likely just because that def- the defense can't be that bad again. I know sure. we just crapped on Eric Branson for five minutes, and I f- and he's a pylon. But at worst, they'll sit him or whatever, mm. play him ten minutes a night. I don't care. The defense can't possibly be as bad last year as mm-hmm. it bad this year as it was last year. But I want to see it. I just I'm not going to take for granted that it will be. I think it will be, but I just want to see proof of concept. Sure, I'm, okay, and I'm sense. not, and, I, and I'm not willing to grant it. I there have been, I have been burned by this team too many times in the past by saying, "Oh, this will definitely like." Case in point, the power play. I have mm. said for five years that okay. it can't be as bad as it was last year, and then it is. I I just want to see proof of concept. Okay, so the 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 two things that give me optimism for uh, the defense not being as much of an issue. For one thing, it looks like we'll have three strong offensive lines, which should help us to maintain possession, which takes pressure off defensively. And the other thing is goaltending because the goaltending was subpar last year. And Elvis Merzlikens, I think has looked really, really good uh, in preseason. So um, I think that Elvis will be better. And so that alone, even if the defense isn't any better, just the goalie being better, will limit the number of goals, but I think him being better and the defense just being slightly better. I don't think we're going to be going to be a good defensive team by any means, but if we are just a little bit closer to average and then while still being as productive offensively as we were, were last year, if not more then I think that should, that should make us a better team. Now, are we a playoff team? No, I think I still had us at sixth in the, uh, in the Metro. Um, but you like, I'm, I'm not sold on New Jersey because I don't love their goaltending. I don't think they did enough to improve that, and that was their Achilles heel last year. Um, I don't. I don't like the Islanders. I don't think that they they were not as bad last year as their record showed, but they still weren't very good, and they didn't do anything to improve their roster. So I, I think the Islanders, and they don't have Trots. 
you know, Lane Lambert could be Trot's light, but like you said, I think we need to see it first. So uh, I, I think that we could still finish above both those teams and, of course, Philadelphia. Um, but I think we'll still be on the outside looking in, but I think we can improve on our point solo from last year, but maybe only up to, like, 90 points. Yeah, like I said, I initially had it as barely over because when I was kind of doing the math in my head, I had us at, like, 81, 82 Mm-hmm, points, sure. which would be which would put us over that, and at the un- and, it, and when I've said under, I was kind of thinking if they get to seventy nine, eighty, I could see it just because sure. if the defense isn't because so like I had us right in that seventy nine to eighty two point range, which means Vegas did a good job setting the over under <laughs> yeah. because it's right, it's a, it's where I would have set it. Um, so yeah, so I had them under. Just I just want to see it. Okay, and, it, and and if and if you come out and give up two goals over the course of Carolina and Tampa. Yeah. I'll start to say, okay, defense looks a little better, but I, I just want to see it. Yes. And I want to see it over a longer sample size than like four games. Sure. Um, But speaking of small sample sizes, we've got three games this week on the road at Carolina on Wednesday at home for the opener on Friday against Tampa. And then Saturday on the road at St. Louis. Uh, This is a tough, opening slate this week with two road games and, you know, three playoff teams there. Um, so what do you expect? Uh, what will the record be after three games? Do you want me to be honest? Sure. One and two. Okay. I think there'll be one and two and St. Louis will be the win. Okay. I will go ahead and say one, one and one. I think at least one of those losses, they can make it a uh, overtime or shootout loss. They'll either either tie it late in regulation or have a lead and blow it <laughs> at the end of regulation, uh, a la Caleb Porter, and, um, and and then lose it in the extra period. So, uh, all right, so that that's what's going to happen. I'm excited to uh, to be back next week and talk about some real hockey, finally, after all this time. So, all right, there's actual games this week. Who knew? So exciting. So we will catch you all next week. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to angelapurley.com for more music and show dates.